everyone, and welcome to this second episode of the Canadian PodCow. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarah Sash, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Campbell. Andrew, how are you? Well, Sarah, I, I'm good, but I, I've got to back up here and, and ask you how you are, really, because you are in BC, and as we're recording this, I mean, we're watching some of the most dramatic images I think any dairy farmer has ever seen. So... How are you and how are things in BC? Yeah, uh, you called me. I'm coming in with extra enthusiasm here uh, because it has been a tremendously overwhelming couple of days in our province here. Um, I don't know if any of us have even processed what's happening. Uh, stuff is going on. We don't know yet where it's going to end up or or what the the ultimate outcome of any of this will be other than to know that it's really bad and we've got a lot of really big problems to handle in our province here right now. Um, so I appreciate you bringing it up and uh, the support that we're feeling from across the country is definitely noticeable. Uh, we appreciate that. We're all dairy farmers and you know what that's like for sure. So yeah, it's, it's something. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. And so just just know that, I, I mean, certainly we're thinking of you. I, I wish Canada in this case wasn't so big and I could be there faster and we could help. But I think every dairy farmer does that. So certainly it's one of those that, I mean, it's so early. I don't think we can we can talk a lot about it yet. But I think maybe for a future podcast, we can have, you know, more discussions on what it was like and, you know, hopefully how, how resilient it is. So just just know that we're we're thinking of you, Sarah, um, and we're thinking of all of the all of the farmers in BC that are going through this. Oh, thank you so much for that. So then if we do actually, you know, kind of move from that as difficult as it is, is to I think what's what's going to be an actually pretty exciting second episode for us, because it's been one that, you know, we've we've been planning for it for a long time in terms of, you know, who can we bring on to really bring some great conversations about Canadian dairy to the entire industry. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Uh, but if you are listening and you listen to our first episode and think the second episode is just as good, if not better, we'd love to hear your feedback. So make sure you find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Just look up Canadian PodCow. We're on both. Yeah, look us up and give us a follow. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting about the dairy industry for sure. And you're right, Andrew, we've got quite the episode lined up for today. Feeling very lucky and excited for our listeners here. I think so, because, I mean, our first episode, we talked back and forth, which was great. Don't get me I wrong. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that every time. It's going to be great <laughs> to bring more people into the conversation. <laughs> and are we ever pulling from the top shelf today, Sarah? Because I think we've got two great guests. We've got Carl Belanger. If you don't know Carl, Carl is a political analyst with Kojiko Media. And I think where Carl's going to really shine is we're going to talk politics because of the recent election, because of all that's going on with agriculture policy. There's just so many important issues that I think we can cover. But before Carl, we've actually got Pierre Lampron. Pierre is the president of the Dairy Farms of Canada. It's going to be great to catch up with him and talk agriculture policy with him and and what's been happening and what's in store at the Dairy Farmers of Canada. So thank you for listening to the PodCow. Stay with us because we've got these two great guests coming up next. Our first guest today for the Canadian PodCow has been a dairy farmer in Quebec since 1987. 
He was elected to the board of directors to the Quebec milk producers in 2000 and was appointed to the board of directors for the Dairy Farmers of Canada in 2007. Then 10 years later, in July of 2017, he was elected president of the Dairy Farmers of Canada. And last July, he was re-elected to his third term as president. Pierre Lemprant, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Yes, same for me. I'm very happy to be here with you, both of you, and I, I hope it will be a good moment. Well, it's great to have you here, Pierre. So we really appreciate you connecting with farmers from all across the country. As you know, I'm from British Columbia. I've met you lots of times in our province here. And at the time of recording uh, today, we're having quite a crisis uh, in our province with flooding and all kinds of disaster that we don't quite yet fully understand. Do you have any words for the farmers in, in British Columbia and across Canada about what DFC's response is and how you're feeling? Yes, yeah, sure, sure, it's, sure. We are very thinking about you, and uh, we offer our sincere and prayer to the dairy family in BC and all ones who are affected by the flood. And sure, we can. We want to do maybe more and more, but you are there, and uh, we are ready to help. We have a chat with the minister of agriculture to to find fund and find way to help producer there. So. Sarah, thank you to be there, and anytime, uh, I'm sure all the producers across Canada are behind you, and it's not an easy situation, but uh, we we want to help how much we can just ask us, and I want to say I'll good be. luck, but uh, be, be resilient like everyone, <laughs> every time, be resilient, and uh, the better day will come, so. Thanks, yeah, the, the resiliency is uh, definitely always a part of farming, but seeing the, the images and it coming together right now is really just next level. So we can feel the support from across the country, and we really thank you for, for those words, Pierre, and certainly for the support from DFC and all of the staff that's coming our way. So thanks very much. Um, first of all, we're all dairy farmers here, so of course our first question is going to be about your farm. Can you tell us about your farm, where it is, how many cows you have, what kind of breed it is, all the info about the farm? I do my best. It's I'm in Quebec. You probably see with my accent. It's um, La Mauricie. It's north of Three Rivers. It's a bit center, but north. I'm, I'm north of uh, Quebec. So it's an organic farm with my... Uh, we are four brothers together, plus my son. We built a new barn in 19, uh, 2014, and we're looking for full the farm for two, uh, 200 cows. So now we milk 200 cows, and uh, it's almost, almost 90% Osteen uh, per bread, but we have 10% working with the cross-breeding uh, stuff. So it's, uh, it's about... Uh, quickly about our farms and we grow all, 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 almost uh, what the cows needs on our farms to feed the cows. Now, Pierre, you mentioned the organic part. Um, you know, certainly one of the other things that I understand from your farm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you even distribute glass bottles. You've got kind of several locations around Quebec that your milk, it's actually not pooled milk, it's your milk is in the store. Um, why decide to do that? How'd that process work out for you? 
Well, it's because something we, it's sure it's first of it diversify. You see three brothers. My first song is the first one, but few ones will, will come. So we need to diversify our, our business. And it's something very, very directly to the consumers. So it's interesting. It's a good challenge too, but uh, it's, it's, it's something we want to share with the consumers, all the stuff we did at our farm. It's something we like, the open farm. It's something we did for many, many years. So to, 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 to share with the consumers, it's something good challenge. A lot of challenge there, but we like challenge. challenge so. Well, that's so great to hear. And I, I noticed you mentioned diversifying and that aspect of it. I know on our farm, when we talked about it, we've got some guys who are more interested in cows, some more crops. Can you tell us a bit about what your area is that you most participate in on the farm and what it is that you like most about being a dairy farmer? Uh, sure, my, my part is on the barn. So uh, as a chair of dairy farmers, I have a part time at the barns or at the meeting, yeah. but uh, I like the cows and I, uh, my brothers take care of the lands. Another brothers take care of the bottle of glass, but me sure with the cows, it's uh, the place I like to do it. Why? But so many challenges there too, because it's interesting. I, li I like the I like this animal and I like the potential we can so we can give from them. So it's sure I'm I'm in the barn. So well, that's pretty interesting. Now, you mentioned before about kind of your half life of being on the road and being in meetings and doing all that kind of stuff, your farm political career. Um, the fact you're now in your third term as DFC president, what keeps you going? Why why keep being so involved at the national level as as president? First of all, the time the time goes so fast, so it's going faster than the third turns. But no, we we work on for me to try to keep producer industry together to find a way. It's something very fundamental give me the, the the power to wake up for working for an organization and i can see the the result of when we start with one voice the result is there so it's it's why i see still a lot of thing to do but uh, i like the and the the producers we are always the same same issue all across Canada. It's always interesting to see people from coast to coast. And I like I like this part too. We certainly appreciate your leadership and all the time that you spend working on, on the industry on behalf of all of us. So thank you for that. You've been a, a strong promoter of sustainability, green technology, and innovative and forward-thinking practices. Why is this part of the, the industry important to you? Well, it's because, because you know, I'm the sixth generation. My son is the seventh one and my grandson, I hope it will be the, the eighth one because we, 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 for me, I think the producer and on my, our farm too, it's, we are part of the solution for the sustainability of the planet. So I'm, we, we have a lot, a lot of work to do to, to, to prove that and maybe sure we have some some place we can involve to be better but we invest on research i'm very sure because for many many years farmers take care of the lands we will continue that and probably we need to show more about about that 
Maybe I will come back with something I'm proud about DFC as a, as a chair. You know, all the blue cow logo is something I'm a bit proud about that. You can see the, how the how the, the processor you put the cows on the on the product is. I'm very proud of that. And because the blue cow is not just the origin of the milk, it's something more than that. It's it's something how we produce. It's production, production stuff program producer, but you no. Know, it's good for for the certification and for, for to sell our product to the consumers. Now you mentioned that you know being proud about the blue cow, and certainly you know I, I kind of feel that too. I always love finding a product that I didn't know had the blue cow, or maybe it didn't in the past, and now it does. I always that's exciting, and of course it goes in the grocery cart because I have to try it too. Um, but I do want to kind of look back to though the last four years you have been president of DFC. Can you talk a little bit about some of the work that you think you've accomplished over those four years? What are you most proud or what stands out as something that DFC has achieved in the last four years? The blue cow is a one once. I just want to see the, the, the growth of the blue cow, but uh, we work out to put a governance stuff on a DFC. It's Everyone wants the same thing. Everyone, everyone the same, wants the same thing, and uh, we need to find a way to how how to address all the issue we have. So it's why we work on the governance at the our, uh, at the DFC level. I, I hope we we are better on the communication. I'm very happy to be here with you to share what we did at DFC. We did a lot, but maybe we don't share enough with the producer. So. And uh, sure, the compensation for the governance, it's 1.4 million to the industry. I'm a bit proud of that. Sure, my first choice wasn't to give our market, but after that, uh, it was uh, because we work all together with the same goal, we get uh, direct payment to the producers. I, I think it will help. I'm very proud of that. So what's next for Dairy Farmers of Canada? What are the big files on your desk at this point and, and the things that you look forward to in your next three years here? Well, next step, first of I hope the the government keep their promises about uh, compensation for Kuzma. But uh, another one is that after this deal, they, 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 they talk about the industry, we need to have a vision for the dairy industry, industry, uh, the dairy producer, processor, uh, retailer. It's something it's get, getting slowly, but I hope and as soon as possible, we can work as a group, as an industry, to find a vision where we want to be in the three, five years. And I think it's important about processing, a lot of things happening, climate change, uh, so, I'm, and I'm proud of that. When we have a vision I'm, on my farm, as a, as a dairy farmers of Canada, with the vision, we we will get there if we have a good vision. So if we will have a good vision. The vision, it's important. Now, you mentioned, Pierre, um, you know, Kuzma compensation as being, um, you know, one thing that's obviously important for, uh, you know, the next government now that we've got a new minority government. Is there anything else or are there other things from Parliament that you think Dairy Farmers of Canada needs to address and Dairy Farmers of Canada needs to push for the Trudeau minority government? Well, as I said, the need to, to, to 
gave their promises. They gave about the compensation for Kusma and the vision. I just explained it's something important for then because we need producer, processor, and government needs to be with us on this vision. It will be. And they are engaged on that, but now we need we need action. So changing gears a little bit here, the Canadian Dairy Commission has just announced that effective February 1st, 2022, the price of milk on the farm will increase by $6.31 per hectolitre. What's your reaction to that, Pierre? I'm happy. You know, it's a historic growth. It's the first time they have this amount of growth. But... It's a big one, but you know the cost of production is grow on the farm too. It's it's exceptional here. So you talk about 30% for increase for the fuel, 27 for the food and for our animals. So on the farm, the expense it's higher. So I think we need to do. It's why it's tough. It's a, it's not a big discussion of the board because we need to balance between the consumers, how they can pay and the, the producers' needs. But I think it's a good balance and we are we, we, we accept that. And uh, I hope the consumers, they will understand why the producers needs some money to pay the bill. So. Yeah, it definitely feels much needed with the cost of production going up all the time here. I think it will be a, a welcome thing for farmers. So on another topic, yet again, in February 2017, on behalf of DFC, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro to raise funds for the Tim Hortons Children's Foundation. That must have been something else. I just can't let you go from here without hearing a little bit about that and your experience there. Uh, thanks to raise that. It's, it was a very great experience. So uh, it was uh, for for many years DFC have a good partnership with Tim Hortons. So to bring give money uh, bring money for the for the kids for the kids at camps was a good case. So and did this experience is it's 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 a bit tough, but it was uh, it was with I'm the only farmers all the group were the Tim Hortons Tim Hortons owners. So. But you know, you just work. For me, it was simple. You just work every day, but day after day, we need the group to 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 have a success for that. We need to work as a group. We did, and after this experience, I just remembered the good part of this, and it was a very very good experience. Well, Pierre, you and I certainly have different definitions of simple. If you say that climbing <laughs> <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro, that that nod, that doesn't probably fit my category. But Pierre Lepron, I I've got to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's it's been really great and really interesting to talk to you. So thanks very much. Thanks, I really yeah. appreciate and thank you for for your time uh, to share the information to the producer. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you, Pierre. This was Pierre Lepron. President of Dairy Farmers of Canada. We will take a quick break for a short message from our sponsors, and right after the break, we'll talk politics with political analyst Carl Belovny. If you ask Canadian dairy farmers what it takes to become global leaders in sustainable farming, they might say Conserving wetlands with Ducks Unlimited Canada. Working with clean farms to find innovative ways to reduce plastics. Supporting biodiversity with Tree Canada. If you ask dairy cows, well, they always say the same thing. Dairy Farmers of Canada, doing more today because we're here for tomorrow. Find out more at herefortomorrow.ca. And we're back. 
Our next guest is a political analyst for the Kojiko Radio Network. He's been a regular participant on political talk shows, on TV, on radio. Certainly, Sarah, I've seen him quoted in lots of areas and seen him on TV, so it's going to be great to have him. Uh, He's worked for 20 years on Parliament Hill in Ottawa, notably Senior Press Secretary for Jack Layton and Principal Secretary for Tom Mulcair. After serving as National Director of the NDP, he left politics, although if you're a political analyst, I don't know if you can say left, he left working directly in politics to launch Traxian Strategies, a public relations firm. He's also the president of Douglas Caldwell Foundation. Carl Belanger, welcome to Canadian PodCow. Well, it's great to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us, Carl. First, let's talk a little bit about the federal election. Carl, was this an election for nothing? (laughs) Uh, You could be forgiven for taking that with the result we got, right? Listen, an election is never about uh, about nothing, and it's always about something, and it's always for a good reason. Uh, giving the, the, the choice to people is what democracy is all about. So, uh, of course, if you are a political strategist, you may think that uh, there's a, you know, there was not much to gain for each party, and there was not much gained by each party. But at the end of the day, uh, the people made a choice. So, um, uh, we know we're going to leave with the consequences of those choices in the next few uh, in the next few months in the next few years now when you talk about the consequences of those results carl certainly you, you know i i think over the last couple of elections one of the things that i've taken away from it anyway is this impression of a rural and urban divide um, and certainly if you look at the color of the electoral map you, you know it, it it almost shows that do you agree is there a rural urban divide in canada when it comes to politics it certainly is a perception that uh, that uh, you can totally see on those maps. You're right. I mean, you can see those sea of blue in the rural area in, in, in Western Canada, in Ontario. It's the dark blue of the Conservative. In Quebec, there's a lot of Bloc Québécois members elected, different shade of blue, but but still mostly from rural areas. And, and then in, you look at the urban centers and you see red and orange. Um, uh, so I think, though, it's a distortion of the reality because of the first-past-the-post uh, first system we have, right? Uh, in every community, you have New Democrats, Liberals, Conservative voters, and Bloc voters in Quebec, and you also have Green voters, but it doesn't show up on the map. So the divide, the impression of the divide, is probably stronger than the actual divide is. Um, but politicians being politicians, they play that up a little bit, right? It helps them locally it helps them get elected so they play up that division which i think is is probably a danger in the long run for the canada as a as a country uh pitting one region against another when in reality we have what much more in common and then then divide us i spend a lot of time following the election with my kids and trying to teach them about what was happening and all of that and it seemed like everything focused very very much on issues related to the pandemic there, there wasn't a whole lot of variety, and agricultural issues certainly did not take up very much space. Um, as dairy farmers, should we find that worrisome, Carl? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, this was a very special election. Uh, this was a unique, uh, a unique set of circumstances with the pandemic you mentioned, Sarah. Um, the, the, the different parties had no choice but to talk about what's next. 
uh, he could have devoted more time to their vision of how to, uh, you know, how we grow our food, how we distribute our food, how we keep uh, the cost to a certain level. Uh, certainly, there's more talk about inflation nowadays, so it's on the it's on people's mind. But in the end, the pandemic was occupying 90% of the space. Uh, I mean, we barely talked about climate change during this this election. And, and you know, we, we see what's happening now across the country. It should be top of mind, but the pandemic is sucking up so much space. So I, I wouldn't worry about that too much uh, if I were you. Now, when you talk about issues, Carl, I mean, you know, obviously supply management is, is one that comes to the top of mind for all of us. There are always the promises to preserve it. But of course, you know, trade deals have chipped away at it over the years. Do you see anything on the horizon that dairy farmers should be aware of, specifically when it comes to the supply management policy? I mean, the first order of business, I guess, would be the compensation for Kuzma. Uh, it was a promise by the Liberal. It was in their platform in the first year. Um, the Conservatives tried to up them uh, on that promise by saying it's going to be in the first 100 days. So. There's a bit of a consensus in the House of Commons about that file. Uh, the question is, when will they move forward with it? And and so, uh, of course, dairy farmers will want to keep an eye on that. Um, the LTC eating strategy that the Liberal government put forward uh, in the last few years uh, is going to come back in one form or another, and that includes, of course, marketing to kids and, and the labeling file. So we'll have to see what form is this will take, and, and obviously dairy farmers should keep an eye on that. Uh, and, and then, of course, trade deals. Are, are there any other trade deals on the horizon? Uh, one can think of uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, there's a deal in place right now, but there's talks of perhaps going deeper. What does that mean? Uh, uh, India is always on Canada's radar. Uh, what could it mean there as well? Uh, so, so those are key uh, key countries to to think about. Uh, and and so. That vein, uh, the Bloc Québécois last uh, parliament proposed a, a private members bill, which would limit access to the Canadian dairy market. So, will they bring that forward again? Will it be picked up by the other parties and supported? Uh, I think those are very interesting files to follow for the next few months. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Um, so the the elections happened. The government's been chosen, and Justin Trudeau has just made his cabinet reshuffle. What's your analysis of that, Carl? Well, there was a few changes, a few surprises. Um, Melanie Jolie, uh, I'm not sure she's uh, quite aware of the files uh, when it comes to to uh, foreign affairs and the, the impact of trade deals on the dairy industry. So it's somebody you'll have to talk to. Um, uh, clearly, a uh, change at the environment is sending a, an interesting signal. Stephen Gilbo has been a strong activist uh, uh, against climate change. Uh, uh, so we'll see what kind of, uh, of uh, momentum he brings behind that file. Um, when you look at the, the government, though, um, I mean, most of the ministers are back in place uh, were already ministers. There was not a lot of changes, a few new faces to make sure we have the gender parity, uh, a few uh, rookies, uh, a few promotion, a few demotion, but all in all, this is the same government. So the key will be, how will they work out with the other parties? Because last time around, uh, there was a lot of uh, cyber rattling and a lot of uh, threat of both confidence and what have you. And uh, I think that's, that has got to change right now. 
Well, then when, you, when we do talk about that cabinet, obviously the Minister of Agriculture has not changed. Uh, Marie-Claude Bibeau remains Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food. Uh, how do you think that works for dairy farmers? Is, is that a good thing for us? Well, maybe you should tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 listen, uh, I, think, I think having somebody that knows the file, uh, considering how important the files that are at play right now, especially with the compensations, you don't have to start from scratch, right? You don't have to explain to a new minister what's going on, why it's important, why it's important, it happens fast. Um, uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, and and Marie-Claude Bibeau, uh, I think the lines of communications are, are, are open with dairy farmers. Uh, she knows the file in and out, and she is uh, she's certainly willing to listen uh, to, to dairy farmers when there is a problem. So I think it's probably a good thing that she stayed there. Yeah, certainly. I mean, maybe that was a question I should have asked Pierre too earlier. But it is one of those things that it does it does speak as as you said. It, it's somebody that doesn't have to relearn the file. It's somebody that knows the people who are there meeting with her. So certainly, you know, n nothing shocks me about it. And it also you you know doesn't doesn't worry me as a dairy farmer either. Um, now, you know, we're looking as we record this, we're looking ahead to debate resuming in Parliament within the next week or two. Um, what do you expect is going to happen? What's top of um, top of the agenda in terms of government priorities as well as opposition priorities? Well, uh, referred to it a little earlier is will the will. Has the government learned anything? Has the Liberal Party learned anything? Has Prime Minister Trudeau learned anything from the last election? When, on election night, he said that Canadians were tired of politics, they were tired of elections, um, did he mean it? And if so, what will he do about it, right? Will he engage meaningfully with the opposition parties to make sure that everyone is working kind of together on the main files? Are we going to engage in the same kind of... Uh, uh, chicken game, you know, or uh, if you don't vote for this, we'll have an election, or if you don't make that change, you will have an election. Like, I think Canadians are tired of that, but, you know, they don't want to hand out the majority to the Liberal Party, clearly it didn't happen, but they also want those parties to work together. So um, there were some discussions between the NDP and the Liberals that were informal for some kind of an agreement to, you know, to get those games out of the way so we can focus on the actual uh, policies that impact people, uh, hopefully something will happen of the sort, or at least the conversation will be uh, more disciplined and more focused on what people need. I'm going to steal one more question, Sarah, before I give Carl back to you, because uh, when we do talk about some of these priorities, climate is one that, I mean, even though in the election, obviously, we talked about the fact that pandemic was that priority issue that came up all the time. Climate is clearly an enormous issue for this government. Um, as a dairy farmer, is is there anything that we should be watching out for in terms of climate policy or, as you mentioned earlier, you know, what might be coming from this new environment minister? Well, what's interesting, uh, certainly from an agricultural perspective, and, and I've heard the, the president of the Dairy Farmers of Canada, Pierre Lampron, talk about this, is that uh, producers, farmers, uh, should be part of the solution, are part of the solution. So I'm hoping for a meaningful engagement on that front because there's much more that can be done. And, and we see what's happening in British Columbia right now, right? And, and, and Sarah, I mean, you know firsthand what's happening uh, better than, than, than we do here out east. but. Uh, 
climate change affects everyone. It affects every industry, and we all have to do our share. So, so you know, they had this nice conference in, in Scotland a few a few weeks ago, uh, you know, COP26, and they all agreed on some kind of deal. But until now, these deals have not amounted to much, right? I mean, we can go back all the way back to Kyoto in the 90s and, and what has happened since then. Uh, so, so unless something is done, I think I think uh, I think we'll keep seeing the impact and 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 the people who are custodians of the land, like dairy farmers and other producers across this country, are we are going to be the first one to feel the impact with with more drought and, and more heat wave and more flooding, and we can go on like that. Yeah, we're definitely getting a, a buffet of possible effects this year in our province. Um, so if I'm being a bit blunt here, Carl, do you think Justin Trudeau is going to stay? Uh, well, that's uh, that's really up to him, uh, frankly. Uh, maybe we'll go for a walk in the snow, uh, like his father did, and decide that his time is, is up. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see a scenario under which his, his liberal colleagues push him out, you know, uh, despite the rumblings and the grumblings. I don't see a scenario under which Justin Trudeau is pushed out. He will go on his own term. And at this time, uh, you know, in the minority situation with... Not much of a legacy to show for his time as prime minister. I am not sure he is ready to move on at this point. So maybe more importantly, then, what about the other leaders? How are they shaping up to you? Well, the Green leader uh, is already gone, and Nepal, so that's the easy one. Uh, uh, the Bloc will probably uh, keep their leader as well. Francois Blanchet has performed okay from, from their perspective. Uh, Jagmeet Singh was the happy warrior of this campaign, and even though they only won one seat, he campaigned on things that Democrats liked, so he's probably safe as well. The big question mark is Aaron O'Toole, and there's a lot going on right now, a lot of, uh, of as we say in French, grenouillage uh, behind the scene. People are trying to oust him because they're unhappy that, uh, that he lost to Justin Trudeau. It's like a, a, a criminal offense for conservatives to lose against Justin Trudeau. Uh, despite the fact that O'Toole actually diversified his caucus, uh, had breakthroughs uh, in regions of the country where the conservatives have been shut out for, for a couple of elections now, uh, and that once again, uh, Conservative Party won actually more votes than the Liberal Party across the country. So, I mean, my advice for the conservatives would be to keep O'Toole, give him one more shot that they can, instead of changing the leader once again and starting from scratch once again. But uh, the knives are definitely out. There's a lot of people who are pushing him out. So the question will be, uh, who's going to win that fight? Now, there's one leader, Carl, that you didn't mention <laughs> that I think every dairy farmer <laughs> is a little curious about hearing uh, hearing about. Because, you know, for me, certainly when Maxim Bernier um, you know, came in, it was always that kind of that question that how is the 2019 election going to go? And it went exactly as a dairy farmer. I hoped it would um, for him and not well. And I thought, well, doesn't that spell the end for the People's Party of Canada? But the pandemic obviously put them back to at least somewhat of a spotlight their vote count increased. Um, and, and, and while they didn't take any seats, certainly dead in the water is not what I would call the PPC anymore. What do you think his future is? What's the future of the PPC like? Well, I think the I think he's going to be a gadfly for a few more uh, years. Uh, but 
you know, the stars were aligned for his party in Maxime Bernier. I mean, he had a cause, he had a reason um, to 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 rise up people uh, and support his party. But but even though he did gain a few votes, uh, no seats, right? And the name of the game in this country under our electoral system is winning seats. He didn't win his own seats, he didn't come close to win any other seats. And I don't see a scenario under which he would, uh, because the pandemic is about to, to hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, you know, go away or to a certain extent be manageable. And we're going back to somewhat of a normal life as the measures are being uh, are being phased out. So I'm not sure what he's going to hang his next hat on, you know, like what's the issue that's going to make him more prominent than the issue that was the pandemic and the sanitary measures. I mean, certainly it's not going to be supply management. He tried that in 2019. It didn't work out for him. So, so he's in a dead end, really. That's the reality. And uh, the fact that he failed to make inroads probably, you know, uh, put, puts an end to a slow end to, to the People's Party of Canada. So we've been through this whole exercise. We've got another minority government. Does this mean we're going to be going back to the polls sooner rather than later? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, most likely. <laughs> most likely within the next two years. Uh, uh, chances are that, uh, that that's the way it's going to go. Unless... Um, Unless there's an agreement with the NDP and those talks are more than informal and and become something more meaningful. Now, usually in Canada, a uh, minority government lasts about a, a year and a half. So if they go two years, um, you know, it would be would be already good. Uh, but there's always someone somewhere who has an interest in trying to bring down the government. Sometimes it's the government itself, like we just saw in this in this current cycle. So. Uh, don't want to get your hopes up, but probably in 2023, we'll have no Fine, Carl. We'll go back to the polls in 2023. <laughs> it's not the news I wanted to hear, but you're the expert. I'll leave it to you. So, Carl Belanger, I've got to thank you very much. I always love talking politics, so I just really appreciate you coming on and, and, and walking us through some of this. So, thanks, Carl. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Carl. That's it for this episode of the Canadian PodCow. Wow, that really flew by. Two interesting interviews, and we just went right through it there, Andrew. Yeah, I think so. It's it's one of those things that, I mean, as I said to Carl, too, like I, I love talking politics. I love talking agriculture policy. So when you get Pierre and Carl back to back, like this is my kind of show. <laughs> I think they picked us for a reason because we're just all about this. <laughs> So, as we said earlier, we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to have your feedback if you'd send it to us. And if you share this podcast with your fellow farmers and your friends, that would be greatly appreciated. And of course, a big thank you to our guests, Pierre Lampron and Carl Belanger. Thanks also to the Dairy Farmers of Canada. They're sponsoring the podcast. And Bruce Sargent is the one that gets the great entertainment of producing and editing this podcast, which I can assure you requires a lot of work to edit us, Sarah. Bruce is a champ. <laughs> we definitely appreciate him. We're already working on the next episodes. We're going to talk about mental health, animal welfare, the working group on butter, the revision of the code of practice for the care and handling of dairy cattle. All this and so much more. So thank you, Sarah. And certainly, as we mentioned off the top, we are thinking of you. We are praying for you and all the dairy farmers in BC. Know the entire dairy industry in Canada is behind you. We're thinking of you. Good luck in the next few weeks. And thank you for listening to the Canadian Pod Cow. We'll see you next time.